there's a Zen cone, or um, I think it's a quote attributed to Lao Tzu, you know, one of the ancient Zen um, philosophers of Zen and, and sort of that Chinese philosophy that says, if you do not change direction, you will end up where you are headed. And so if you didn't know, Zen cones are like little phrases that sort of the more you think about them, the more meaning starts to elucidate about them. So I'd like to plant that idea in your head for this episode, which is all about the new moon in Libra, in Sidereal Libra, in Vishaka Nakshatra, uh, that's happening Monday, November 13th at about 4.30 a.m., 4.27 a.m. to be specific. So this is your yogi scope for that new moon. If you're new around here, I'd like to extend you a warm welcome to the Yogi Scopes podcast, where each week I bring you yoga practices and journal prompts for whatever the astrological weather is. And I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook. I am soon to be a yoga therapist. I'm, if you've been around, I'm officially done with the content, like the weekend modules of my yoga therapy training. And I'm in the process of just starting to see clients to get the practicum portion to become a yoga therapist. So if you've been around as long as this podcast has existed, I have been in that yoga therapy training. It's a big deal. I'm getting close to finished. Anyway, you can call me Rose. I'm a Vedic sidereal astrologer. And if you don't know your Vedic placements, you can get them at my website, yogiscopes.com chart. You can get a copy of your Vedic birth chart there. It'll just spit it out on the website. You just put your stuff in and you'll get it. And then a little thing will pop up and ask you if you want the birth chart decoder, which is a worksheet that I made that basically explains what you're looking at with the Vedic chart because a lot of folks come to this podcast or, or find out Vedic astrology with a background in Western and they've, regardless of your level of experience, you've maybe seen the circle charts before. Well, Vedic birth charts do not look like that and they look very confusing Uh, It's just a set of symbols, and when you understand the symbols, it makes a lot of sense. It's like a shorthand system that's easy to read when you understand it, but when you have no experience with the shorthand and symbols, it's like, what does this even mean? How is this useful to my life? So the decoder is less about telling you specifically how it's useful to your life, but it's more about telling you how to read it, it, how to understand what you're looking at, so then you can start to decipher how it's useful to your life. And hopefully that along with the podcast will help you understand how Vedic astrology is useful to your life. So welcome. And this is your Yogi Scope, your yoga practices and journal prompts for the new moon happening Monday, November 13th in Sidereal Libra. So that's another thing. I like when I don't mention this, I get questions about it. So Vedic astrology uses the Sidereal Zodiac. And so the Sidereal Zodiac is just a little bit more astronomically accurate than the tropical zodiac that Western astrology uses or just astrology. If you're kind of new to all of this, you might not have even known before now that there were more than one kinds of astrology or more than one kinds of zodiac, or maybe you've had some inkling about that. I don't know. I created some resources on my website about it because it seems like, like I just mentioned, when I don't say anything about it, I get questions. If I do say something about it, I get somebody piping up like, I could have been more thorough and I just don't want to waste 
your time if you've heard me say this repeatedly. So I made an article and a separate podcast episode where you can dive in more deeply. If you go, it's usually linked in the show notes, but if you go to yogiscopes.com slash blog, you can find one there that says what is Vedic astrology and explains all that. And I believe the podcast episode is um, linked in that episode, but that is a It's an episode of The Science of Light, which is my other podcast. It's a little bit dormant right now. I'm planning to relaunch it in the new year um, because I've been working on a big course called Astrology for Yogis, which is a Vedic astrologer certification program. And it just, that podcast fell to the wayside while I was building this big program and I'm planning to relaunch it in the new year. Anyway, I digress. If you want to learn more about the differences, I created those resources for that. Um... Yeah, so check it out, and then let's dive into talking about the new moon. And the quote that I brought up, the Zen cone, um, I I guess it's a Zen cone. I could be getting that wrong. I don't know. It's not that important. The important idea is that if you think about the idea of if you do not change direction, you may end up where you're headed. Just like let that sort of bubble up in your awareness as we talk about the astrology of this upcoming new moon, and then hopefully it will really make sense why I bring that quote up uh, after I talk about sort of all the astrological archetypes that are feeding into the meaning that we make of this new moon, which is first of all that it's happening in sidereal Libra, which is, so that's the whole thing is like, um, I have to bring it up because without a doubt, somebody on YouTube will be like, Um, excuse me, it's happening in whatever, I don't know, whatever it's happening in the tropical zodiac, which is probably Scorpio. I don't know. But if you look in the night sky, it's happening in sidereal Libra, which feels nice to me that it's more astronomically, astronomically accurate. Anyway, it's not that serious. Like it's just, we just decide to make meaning about these things. And I have found it to be extremely accurate in my life in the lives of my students and clients. And so we roll with it. I know plenty of Western astrologers that it works just fine. Like if you take the the system, if you don't try to piecemeal between two systems, you'll be just fine. It's, it's when people are like trying to take pieces of one system and the other that they get confused. So just, you know, now you know, choose a system and stick with it, which actually has a lot to do with the topic of this episode. Wow. So, okay. So then I want to go ahead and dive into the nakshatra where this is happening. I usually talk about the the zodiac sign where the new or full moon is happening. And then we talk about the nakshatra because the nakshatra is kind of like a zodiac sign. It's a Vedic astrology concept that to my knowledge, Western astrology may or may not have anything analogous to, but um, nakshatras are lunar mansions. They're a little bit more specific than signs and they're a little bit more important for what the moon is doing than for what any other planet is doing. Of course, we can apply them as a layer of meaning to planetary placements too, like the sun and Mercury and Venus, Saturn, all that stuff. We can look at nakshatras, what nakshatra they're in, in your birth chart or moving through in the night sky. But based on the mythology from like from where Vedic astrology comes from, Nakshatras really, really matter for the movements of the moon. They're lunar mansions, right? And so I have an article about that on the website too, if you want to go poke around in the blog, or you can just go to yogiscopes.com and click articles at the top, and that will take you there, and you can read these articles about these topics um, that people frequently ask about, and I don't 
always want to give a whole 10 minute spiel about every time on the podcast. So anyway, nakshatras are lunar mansions. They're just more specific than signs. They function in the same way. So when a planet moves through them, like when a planet moves through a sign, they add an energy or a flavor or another way to look at that is um, that planet is moving through a cycle that will bring that sort of flavor. And so Vishaka, the nakshatra where this um, new moon is happening is characterized by a forked branch or so it's like a fork in the road, a crossroads, right? Um, and where you kind of have to like choose one and, and not change direction and you'll end up where you're headed, right? Um, or you, it's also symbolized by a marriage arch, like a, you know, the little archway that people put behind them at their altar when they get married, right? It's a, it's a whole thing nowadays. Like people have to make like their own homemade arch and they put like pretty shit on it. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's like a whole thing nowadays. It's always been a thing. If anything, it's like even more of a thing because it used to be people got married at the altar of the church and there was an altar there because it's a church. And now people, at least people that I know, largely don't get married in churches. And I mean, plenty of people still do. But anyway, people will make their own like little hexagon thing with it. So that's that symbolism is tied in to this nakshatra as well. And so if you think about that, um, a marriage ceremony, it's also like you're making a decision. You're choosing one. Like when you get married, you're like, I choose this human and I'm going to just pursue this path with this human is the idea of marriage. Right. Um, so it's, that's the energy of this new moon based on this nakshatra is like, can you just pick something and be married to it and not change directions and you will end up where you're headed if you don't change directions, right? That makes sense. That's like, that's the episode kind of, you know, like I could leave it at that, but I'm going to continue to tell you a little bit more about, um, other astrological stuff happening that is feeding into the sort of meaning of this new moon. Uh, because I've been saying for a while now, this is the first new moon, um, after eclipse season. So really this new moon, November 13th, like next Monday morning when you wake up, it's like we'll finally be out of eclipse season after six weeks. So that's not a small deal. And so in a big way, this new moon just in general is sort of stepping out of eclipse season. But if you've been listening, you also know that this eclipse season had a big 18-month cycle switch during it. So that doesn't always happen. It only happens every 18 months that the nodes of the moon, the shadow planets of Rahu and Ketu change signs right after the last eclipse. So they change signs on Monday, October 30th. And so that was like two weeks before this new moon. And so in a big way, we're stepping into a new cycle collectively with this node change with Rahu and Ketu changing signs um, into... Libra, or sorry, they changed from K2 was in Libra, K2 moved to Virgo, and Rahu was in Aries, and Rahu moved to Pisces. So I've been talking about that at length, um, and so this is the first new moon, any kind of moon cycle in Libra that 
has not had the shadow planet of K2 there in 18 months, over 18 months now. So that's not a small deal either, right? But what that sort of amounts to, like what it means in your life is that in a big way, it's like stepping on a new path. And especially for you Libra Ascendants, I've been um, telling y'all because I've been having conversations with a few Libra Ascendants recently that um, if anything, it's like a time to sort of step into a new identity for yourself if you're a Libra Ascendant. If you're not a Libra Ascendant, it's still like whatever area of your life has been getting shaken up in a big way over the last year and a half, it's really this new moon is a time to step forward renewed and be on a new path around that. And Mars is very, very closely conjoined this new moon. Okay, and so that's that's going to play in kind of a big deal. Um, we'll talk, like I'm going to keep telling you these other astrological things that are happening around this new moon that are playing into the overall energies. And then I'll sum it up with the overall energies of the new moon. So the new moon's happening in Libra with Mars very closely there. Libra is ruled by Venus and this nakshatra actually bridges over um, Libra and Scorpio. It's very, very close to the end of Libra. It's like 26 degrees and some change where this new moon is happening. Um, and so Scorpio is ruled by Mars. So it's the Mars qualities are pulled in in a big way. Additionally, because Vishaka, the nakshatra, the two ruling deities are Indra, who is known as the king of the gods, and Agni, the fire deity, right? Agni is like our digestive fire, third chakra. So fire element is kind of high. I would say that's like, it's like a passionate energy. Very, um, yeah, just passionate energy around this new moon. And Venus is with K2. So K2 just moved out of Libra. K2 has been in Libra for the past year and a half. And now, though, the ruler of Libra, which is Venus, is still with K2 for this entire month. So it's kind of like the energy's easing its way out. It's shifted already, but it's um, not quite done, if you will. So um, this energy that I'm talking about is, um, I'll explain it in the overall energies portion, but basically you just want to think that this new moon is a time to pick your direction of whatever, you know, it, when I said that quote, I wonder if anything came to mind immediately about what direction you're headed. Um, and do you want to stay heading in that direction or not? Right. Is the question, the major question at this new moon. And if not, can you pick something that you want to head towards something being like a situation or a goal or whatever and just at this new moon put like a stake in the ground and kind of say I'm not going to change direction this is the path I'm choosing and in fact like this is my dharma the dar your dharma is like your right path and that's actually the aim of this nakshatra so really at this new moon it's a time to sort of uh put a, a stake in the ground choose a direction 
and just head down that path, make yourself married to that idea, which I know I get it. It's like a lot of folks that are into yoga and astrology are kind of, we like the idea of being free flowing and like, uh, moving with wherever the energies take us. But a big reason to study astrology is to understand your dharma and your right path in this life. And so, yes, it, the path might be winding and twisting and turning through a forest. And sometimes you're in a clearing and sometimes you're in a forest and sometimes you're by a river and sometimes you're going uphill and downhill, right? Like a path is, um, things are changing all the time, but if you stay on that path and don't like turn around or try to jump paths in the middle of it, you will end up where you're heading, which is ultimately towards your dharma, right? Like that's the goal. That's And that's what most of y'all tell me and what I experienced too of like, this is why we're studying astrology because we want to know our dharma. We want to move closer to our true soul's purpose. And so this new moon is really about that. Can you just decide marry yourself to your dharma, pick a path. As one of my dear friends in high school used to say, choose your roller coaster and ride it, you know, just get on it and just choose it and, and be married to that decision, right? Like that's what this new moon is about. Okay. So to sort of recap the overall energies of this new moon are diligently working towards your dharma, like choosing your path and being on it, just don't change direction. You'll end up where you're headed kind of thing. Uh, and then also another overall energy of this new moon is can you cultivate spiritually embodied ways of relating to people or ways of being in a relationship? Because that's a big with like, that's, I would say the major theme of K2 having been in Libra for the past year and a half is, um, Often, this is something that's been coming up for folks around this Rahu and K2 transit is K2 is all, always gets flack for being like it cuts you away from that area of life or if, especially with K2 having been in Libra, which is like the sign of relationships. A lot of folks are seeing relationships end and a lot of folks are seeing relationships get stronger than ever, right? Um, and so that's kind of the thing with K2 is you have sort of two options with working with K2 and one is you're not very spiritually embodied. You're not working with the energy there or whatever karma there. And that's when K2 will sort of cut you away from whatever that thing is uh, that's less spiritually embodied for you. Or if you are working with it, you will become so much more spiritually grounded through the work of K2 um, I guess, I, and I hate to use like the terms, like if it's meant for you, not meant for you. Like I, I guess take the approach that I, uh, a lot more free will involved here than maybe some folks believe or, or think, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the thing. And, and so that's, that's the work that K2 is asking, has been asking everyone to do over the last year and a half is to be spiritually embodied in your relationships, in your approach to re relating to people. And so this new moon is in a big way about stepping forward from that cycle, having sort of learned your karmic lesson. But the ruler of Libra, Venus, is still with K2 now in earthy Virgo, which I talked about on the November episode that I actually didn't put out on the podcast. I only put it out on the Facebook group. So go and search 
Yoga Horoscopes Facebook group, you'll recognize the branding when you find it. Or I think you can also go to the Yogi Scopes Facebook page and there should be a tab for groups and there you should find it. Um, if you want to see that recording, it's recorded as a live in the group. Um, if you want to go back and hear more about that, I talked about, like I talked at length about B Venus being in Virgo with K2 on that. Um, if you want to know more about that piece and what that's going to be like this month. Um, and then another overall energy of this new moon, because of the Mars connection and the Agni connection that I mentioned, is going to be not letting passion get in the way of whatever you're trying to do, but harnessing that passion for success. So that could be in terms of relationships, in terms of making your relationships more spiritually embodied, if that's on the mind um, for this new moon, or if it's more about your dharma, your right path. Can you... Um, not let passion get in the way of you doing the work that needs to be done. So for example, I just like as a yoga teacher, I do think based on my chart too and like a lot of spiritual work I've done that what I'm doing with my life is my dharma. Like I genuinely believe that. But there is this culture, I guess, or notion that seeps into my being sometimes too and I know other people feel it that because I am also pursuing my passion because I love yoga um, and it was very it was a very passion driven pursuit for me at the start that because I you know there's this um, quote I think that circulates around that like if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life and I call BS on that I think it's more like if you love what you do you will be like ready to fly out of bed at that alarm clock to work the hardest you've ever worked in your life that's kind of like what living your dharma is it's not about not working or living an easy life of pleasure and passion i guess that's the the distinction is that not mistaking passion for pleasure which is a very like venusian venus sort of thing venus is very much about pleasure and mars brings that passion and drive so i mean that like not letting your passion get in the way in terms of both the pursuit of pleasure or um like I feel like there's a little bit of like a brahmacharya thing coming up here. Like conserve your energy. Don't get too hot-headed. I hope that makes sense. But can you harness that passion in the way of like what I was mentioning is like if you love what you, what you do, you will be passionate about working hard at it, right? Like I was just using this as an example. Like nothing about doing this podcast or all this other like stuff that I do is very easy. Like I have had to work very hard at it but I love it and it's fun for me so I'm more inclined like you know what I mean like all of us have to work for a living there's kind of no getting out of like doing work that's what I'm trying to get at is that don't think that because you're pursuing your passion or your dharma that it will only be pleasurable um right I hope that makes sense so those are the overall energies and with that here's some ways you could harness that in your yoga practice um, one being Dharana, which is single pointed focus. It is the sixth limb of the eight limbs of yoga, the Ashtanga eight limbed path, if you will, of yoga. And so I actually, I also talked about this on the November episode, which I mentioned is only existing as a Facebook live right now. If y'all really want me to, maybe I could download it and try to upload it or whatever, or you could just join the Facebook group, um, and listen to it there. But 
for November in general, Pratyahara is indicated. And I described that at length in the November episode, which is only in the Facebook group, right? Um, but Pratyahara is the fifth limb. And so I'll just like kind of summarize this, even though I said it there, that we have Yama and Niyama as the first two limbs of yoga. The limbs of yoga are put in a very intentional sequential order as in like do this first then you can achieve this and once you do that then you can do the next thing right all leading up to samadhi which is debatably synonymous with things like moksha or nirvana right or ananda it's like that bliss state um that sort of unwavering i i akin samadhi to like have you ever had just like a really good shavasana where you were like not asleep, but you also weren't like chasing down the to-do list. You were just like completely aware and present. Samadhi is like that, that pure awareness, if you will, right? And so all the seven limbs leading up to Samadhi, which is the eighth limb, um, are sort of like stepping stones that you have to take to get there, right? And so this is all with the caveat that like, you know, doing them is not going to lead to your enlightenment, right? Like, uh, like having the cleanest, most spotless house is not going to make you enlightened. But as we know, having dust bunnies on the floor can certainly be a distraction from your yoga practice. That's why some people say they struggle to do yoga at home, right? So that's the idea is we have yama and niyama. Those are like the the ethics and observances of how to treat yourself and how to exist in the world and treat other people so that you're not like, you know, feeling crappy in your body or feeling crappy about how you treated somebody else, right? Those are the first two. The first two steps are those things. And then you can do asana, which is you can find comfort in your body. Like it's going to, that's why we say like don't eat before practice because it's going to be hard to, um, asana just means comfortable seat, but it's what we've come to know as the postural practice of yoga, right? And it is only after doing your asana and your pranayama that you can maybe start to achieve pratyahara, which is that sense withdrawal where you can turn the senses in. You have to feel comfortable in your body and not have, you know, a dirty house and whatever, I guess. Um, take this with a grain of salt. I'm just trying to explain the, the eight limbs keeping you keeping your senses going everywhere. That's pratyahara. And then once you've turned your senses inwards, which is, you know, the fifth limb, pratyahara, then maybe you can achieve dharana, which is that one-pointed focus. So maybe you approach that through doing the limbs first, but maybe you approach that uh, dharana, that idea of dharana with like, can you focus on one thing at a time at this new moon? Can you choose at this new moon what is going to be that, you know, if you don't change direction, what is like your north star? What are you headed towards? What do you want to choose as that dharana, that single pointed focus, and just move yourself towards it and not change direction, right, at this new moon? So that's the yoga practice, um, seeing how, like, so it's like if you choose in a grander sense in your life, what is your north star? What are you moving towards? What are you not going to change direction, Right. That's like your dharma, but you can practice dharana on your yoga mat and, you know, in your life by not trying to multitask, right? Or focusing on one thing at a time. Like in, a, in an asana sense, dharana could be like if you're really thinking about your feet in every single pose. 
you know, because everything goes into all the poses. Basically, you're using your whole body all the time and you can you can focus on like, wow, my feet are really not having to work in this pose. Wow, my feet really are having to work in this. Pose. You know, that's just an example, right, of how to use Dharana in a yoga class, which is an awesome class, which is what we come to know. Um, and then another way to harness this energy in your yoga practice, because Libra is a sign of balance. I actually totally skipped over that part explaining the sign of Libra, but what you need to know for the purpose of this is that Libra is a sign of balance. And because we have this Mars Venus thing connection going on, can you notice the balance or lack thereof in your body? Can you really pay attention to asymmetries and focus on bringing balance? So it might be that you in your yoga practice, like I, for example, have given myself functional scoliosis from carrying babies on the same hip all the time. And, uh, uh, I injured a rib. I broke a rib when I was like 21 snowboarding, um, on the other side. So the way I carry my body has led to this asymmetry where my right side is way stronger because I was sort of bracing to protect that left side where I got the injury and I'm right hand dominant. So I will do an extra side plank on my left side to bring balance. So you might do something like that in your yoga practice where um, if you notice an asymmetry in your body, you might do something twice on the weak or tight side, if that makes sense. Um, because I tell my students this all the time. If just because you have two of everything does not mean you're symmetrical. And that is if I learned like one thing from my yoga therapy training and all that work, it's that um, most people have imbalances. You would almost be weird to make it very far into adulthood, not having asymmetries in your body. So can you explore that in your practice at this new moon? And then the final yoga practice for this new moon is just, just take deep breaths. Um, can you do what's known as diaphragmatic breathing, which some people like to get real persnickety about like technically all breathing is diaphragmatic breathing, but you know what I mean? Like belly breathing, whatever, if you will. Can you focus on that expansion of the belly and the low ribs and just take some deep breaths. And then your journal prompt is to explore that quote. And I left it intentionally vague as Zen cones are meant to be. If you do not change direction, you may end up where you're headed. Can you just explore what that means for you? Um, and so I'll, I'll give you some uh, ideas, I suppose. When I first came across that quote, it was when I was uh, very, very early in recovery from addiction. I was not even really on board with the idea yet. I was sort of just like doing it because I had to because some consequences had shown up in my life. But I was trying, right, to get clean. And this was like early 2015, like January of 2015, I think, or it might have even been 2014. Anyway, um, I first came across that quote and it struck out to me because I was on a path. I, I wanted to change direction. I didn't want to keep going where I was headed, which was like down the path of being a junkie, which I totally was. Um, and now that quote means something totally different to me because I have been sort of struggling on this path of what I feel like is my dharma, but I often feel like I'm maybe not as far as I should be or whatever. And so, yeah, or are you one or the other? Are you wanting to change direction because you don't like where you're headed? Or are you maybe you've been headed towards something, but you're not happy with your progress? Um, and how could you harness that either not changing direction right now 
or choosing that other path and not and actually changing direct like which is it that you need to do do you need to bring more of that focus or do you need to actually make some big decisions and choose a new path I don't know I can't answer for everybody because some of you it's going to be one or the other right and that's it that's a question for you to explore in your journal so yeah happy new moon happy eclipse season is over oh and one final I meant to say this at the beginning um, but if you're, you'll hear it if you stick around. So if you want to explore that kind of thing, maybe in some yoga therapy with me, I just announced, um, more or less privately, but now this is me announcing it publicly that I am introducing, I'm bringing tears to the membership, like, like levels, not tears as in crying, but tears as in stacked levels to the membership that I offer. And with that, because there's been a lot of interest when people are like, I actually would like a lower support and lower cost option than the current membership. And there are also folks that um, would like a higher support option, like a one-on-one -on -one option. So now, as of um, the new price will be announced in a couple weeks, the new tiers. But everybody that signs up for the membership, yogiscopes.com slash membership, before November 17th, I was running a free trial. It's now too late for that because if you sign up for the free trial now, your trial won't be over before that expires. Um, but if you just go sign up before November 17th, which is next Friday, um, you will be grandfathered into the highest tier. And that will be um, basically the current membership as it stands, which again, you can find the details at yogiscopes.com slash membership. And everybody who is an active member as of November 17th, um, which is next Friday, I will, you will get six sessions of yoga therapy from me. Okay. And so I will also, I'm planning to put out more resources around what yoga therapy really is, but basically it's where we, um, well, you'll also get a reading. We'll look at your chart. We will build a practice for you, um, a home practice. We will either help you basically, reinforce the direction you're headed or change direction in in terms of small manageable habits building yoga more into your lifestyle in a intimate one-on-one -on -one container that can be done virtually um so yeah so if you're in the membership currently you will be hearing from me after that deadline to get scheduled for your yoga therapy session so again everybody that is officially a member by november 17th next friday I'm going to put the cutoff at like, um, I think it's 11.59 a.m. actually. So like noon Eastern time, basically. If you sign up by noon Eastern time next Friday, you will be eligible for that highest tier always grandfather. And it's like half the price right now of what the highest tier, a little less than half the price, in fact, of what the highest tier will be. And you'll be grandfathered into that highest one-on-one -on -one tier for the duration of your membership and you'll get those six sessions of yoga therapy. So if you want in on that, if you've been thinking about the membership, go ahead and join. Otherwise, if you're one of those people that was like, I actually wanted lower support for a lower price point, know that that is also coming in the coming weeks. I will be announcing the new tiers and the yearly. Okay. So a couple other announcements. So our on November 8th, 19th, which is a Sunday, um, we're having a birth chart basics workshop. So if you're either in the membership or have the birth chart basics mini course, you can come to um, just basically a workshop to reiterate some of the concepts from that mini course. 
um, some birth chart interpretation concepts and um, get all your questions answered about your personal chart in a live fashion with me. That is November 19th at 11 a.m. Eastern time live workshop. You're eligible for that if you're either in the membership or have the birth chart basics mini course, both of which you can find if you go to yogiscopes.com slash offerings. And then I also have the date for our yearly planning session, which has been hugely popular, um, scheduled in December and I was going to announce it, but I'm going to wait. It's already posted in the membership though, if you want to see it. So thanks so much for being here. Please keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars and stay in the light until next time, friends. If you have any questions about what I just said, you can also email me rosemary at yogiscopes.com. So take care. Thanks for being here.